something. This message is about to be deep. This message is about to be in your face, and I just want to warn you ahead of time. If you are easily offended, this will be your last Sunday here. This is Celebration Sunday. This is the scripture that the Lord put in my heart so strong uh, uh, about two weeks ago. It's, it's, it's 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9, and it's this, where God comes up and he says to the people, he says, listen, I want you to know you are a chosen people. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. And he says, you are here so that you might declare the praises of the one who brought you from darkness into light. He says, that's who you are. That's what the church is supposed to be. When you put your faith in Jesus and it's genuine and it's real, you don't become a better version of you. You become a brand new you. And that brand new you is a part of a new thing that God calls a royal priesthood, the kingdom of priests, the kingdom of God, the family of God. You become sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And he says that a part of this is that you would live your life in a way that just naturally declares the praises of Jesus Christ who brought you from darkness into light, who brought you from sin uh, into the freedom of sin, who brought you from death into life, that that is a part of who we are. We're supposed to declare the praises of him who brought us from darkness to light. And that, that what, that's what this Sunday is about. It's about looking back on a year that was so difficult, that was so unprecedented, that was so out of nowhere, that caught us all off guard. It's about looking back at a year when there were 34% of churches who were alive in 2019 shut down in 2020. It's about looking back at a year where we had more division and more hatred and more unrest than we've seen in my lifetime. It's looking back on a year of distraction and I say distraction because while we were distracted with the work of the enemy, God was changing the universe. God was changing the world. And I wanted to come in here and I'm telling you, I wanted to celebrate. I wanted this to be one, just one line after another of all the great and powerful things that God did last year. And we highlighted some of the bigger picture ones, but I'm going to tell you something. It was out of this world crazy what he did. We're not talking about church people who are getting tired of their other church and just showing up. We're talking about people who hadn't stepped foot in the church in their life or in five years and 10 years and 15 years who did not know Jesus, that God opened up the door for the gospel to make it into the homes, into their cell phones and into their lives and God saved them. Well, there were more people saved last year when the church was shut down and baptized last year than any other year previous in pursuit church's history. And I was so excited. I wanted to come up here. I just wanted to spout off all the stats. I just wanted to talk about God's provision. I just wanted to talk about it. And I wanted us to celebrate. And I wanted us to just declare the praises of God. But then the Lord reminded me of something. He reminded me of an Atlanta Braves baseball game that I went to in college. I hate baseball. I grew up playing baseball. I started playing baseball. I was four years old. Played baseball, uh, basketball, and football all my life. And I loved basketball, and I loved football, and I hated baseball. Hated it. I don't get it. And I'm sorry if that's your world, but maybe God just wants to destroy an idol in your life right now. I'm telling you, I'm telling you something. Baseball is the most boring thing ever created. I had a really good arm, so they put me out in right field. Unfortunately, we had a really, really good pitcher. So nobody ever hit the ball. 
So you took an already boring game and you made it even more boring for me. And I hated it. And, and I never watched it. I, 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 not even the World Series. I don't, I don't watch baseball. But when I was in college, I was really, really good friends with a couple people who, who maybe worshiped baseball, maybe in a, just an unhealthy way. And they loved the Braves, loved the Braves. And I lived with one of them in college. And for his birthday, he wanted all of us to go down and go to a Braves game. And I'm telling you something. I, I, was, like, I was like, I could lie. I could just get out of this. But I didn't because I loved him and I wanted to go. And so we went to the Atlanta Braves game and we, got, we, we walked in and there was an atmosphere. It was electric, you know, and we walk in and we get into this section and everybody in this section, I think, except for me, I think if, if, the, if, if they were like, would you rather uh, die tomorrow uh, or never have the Braves win another World Series, everybody in that section, they would have been like, kill me now so that the Braves can go on. Everybody, they, every, they knew everybody's name. It was an overwhelming passion. I came in. I was not excited about it. I just came in. I sat down. And then something began to happen in my heart and my mind. I, I started cheering. I was like, they hit, a, they hit a ball. And I was like, he hit a ball. And I clapped. They clapped. And I clapped. And then they started yelling at the refs. And I started yelling at the refs. And I was like, bad call, ref. It was like I fit in. By the end of the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, I was, I mean, you would have thought that I had been just a living, breathing, diehard baseball Atlanta Braves fan from the day that I was born. I mean, I was in the moment. I was eating hot dogs with mustard. That's it. That's all hot dog needs. I was absolutely just, I mean, I was going around. I learned some of their names, some of them. And I was just like, I was just going to hated the other team. I wanted them to die. Like I was just like, I was, I was caught up in the moment. But then when I left on the way home, it all disappeared. And I realized something about that moment, and I'm telling you, the Lord brought this back to me, that, that I had no passion for baseball at all. It wasn't, it wasn't real when I got there, and it wasn't real when I left, but in the moment, I got all caught up in the situation. I got all caught up in the, in the mob mentality, and I enjoyed myself, and I was freaking out, and I was going crazy, and I felt like the Lord put something in my heart and said that there are going to be people that are going to come into this room not excited about what God is doing not passionate about what God is doing, completely blinded to the reality of how powerfully God moved last year. And they're going to come in and they're going to watch the video and they're going to hear the message and they're going to watch the baptisms and they might get lost in it and they might clap and they might cheer and they might, not ha they might have a great time. But if they came in uh, with a, 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 a passionateless heart, they will leave with a passionless heart unless something changes. And the Lord just began to speak to me and say that there was a lot of people last year, instead of spending the year celebrating all that God was doing, they spent the year complaining about everything that was happening. That there were people even in this very church that were complaining. You know, the funny thing about complainers, they'll complain when you shut the church down, then those same ones complain when we open the church back up. I don't take complainers serious at all. But there's a lot of people we spent last year complaining. We spent last year distracted. We spent last year looking at all the negativity. We spent last year going and we we're complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining. And the Lord just put in my heart something so deep and so sad and so strong. He reminded me that in the people of the desert uh, in Israel, after God freed them from Egypt and, and was moving them across the desert into the promised land, they did some pretty messed up things. Like they made idols, they danced around it naked, they had orgy sex parties. We have kids ministry for a reason, don't be mad at me. 
They, they, they sacrificed children. They, they did some, they murdered, they lied. They did some pretty messed up things. But do you know the thing that caused the wrath of God and more punishment and more, more, more severity on them than any other thing in their 40 years in the desert? Complaining, grumbling, murmuring. And then the Lord gave me the scripture. And, and I, I want to read this to you because listen, what we want to do, we want to be a people who declare the praises of the one who set us free from darkness and brought us into light. The problem is though, is there's a lot of people in the room right here and right now, your eyes are on anything else but Jesus. And so you are confused as to why we want to celebrate what God's been doing because in your mind, God hadn't been doing anything. But I want to show you something really fast. I'm going to show you this in, in Philippians 2. And it's going to be heavy, and I told you it's going to be deep, and I told you it's going to be right in your face. But I'm telling you, at the end of all of this, I think God wants to set us free from ourselves. He wants to set us free from negativity. He wants to prepare our hearts and set us up, not just that we can declare the praises of him today, but that we can spend this year watching and being part of God moving. So if we missed it last year, we're not going to miss it this year. Amen. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake. There's something very wrong with making it two times. It's okay if you're not okay. It's not okay to stay that way. And so I'm going to read this to you. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. All right, so we gotta hold on to this because this, this, is, the, this is the scripture. If you've heard this before, this is the one everybody likes to preach about. I'm gonna read it one more time just so we can make, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works. I want us to say it together on three, for it is God who works. One, two, three. For it is God who works. We're gonna do that all again, okay? Because I, I want you to be with me. It is God who is working. I want to just say that. It is God who is working on three together. One, two, three. It is God who is working. God who is working. It's God who is working in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, if we could just stop right there, that would be a, that would be a sermon and a message everybody in this room would love. I'd get us all hyped, get you excited, spend some energy, leave here, go eat some chicken. It'd be a really good day. All right, but but there's, that was, that he was making a point to make another point. And the first point, he says, I need you to understand that it's God working. It's God working. It's God pushing his will and acting according to his good purpose. It's God who is working according to his purpose. God is working according to his purpose. The very next line is this. Do everything without complaining, grumbling. Do everything without complaining or disputing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. So this hit me. Because God's saying, listen, I want you to understand, you've got to accept in your heart and in your mind, you are not God. Now, I know that most of us, we don't have that issue. Even the most arrogant of us didn't wake up one day and go, maybe I'm God. We know we're not. 
So we can agree. It's easy for us to agree that it is God the one who is working. God is the one who's moving. God is the one who's working things out. And it's his will that's being accomplished. It's his action. It's his power. It's his word that's moving forward according to his purpose, not our own. And then he says, so because that is true, don't do anything with grumbling. Don't do anything with complaining. Don't do anything with uh, grumbling, complaining. And, and some translations say arguing. Some say uh, uh, another word. I can't remember. But the, the power of that word is that, that there's another word for arguing. Like if you and me got into an argument, there's actually another word for that. This word means it's the idea of reasoning within yourself. Dispute. Thank you. It's the idea of reasoning within yourself, as in like, like when you do go to argue and you're coming up with reasons why the other person's wrong and why you're right. It's that thing that's going on in your mind. So he's coming up and he's saying, listen, don't do it because God is the one who's working. Because it's God in us. It's God around us. It's God who's leading. It's God who's moving. It's God who's providing. It's God's will that is being done and it's being accomplished through his power and it's being done according to his good purpose. He says, a Christian a follower of Jesus and a believer who believes this, you cannot do anything with complaining and with disputing or arguing or reasoning in your head that you're sitting there looking at the circumstances, looking at life and looking at what's going on in your life, in the big picture, in the community, at the church, in the nation, in the world. You can't come in and look and complain and argue and, and, and rationalize uh, your negativity and rationalize all your complaining because you just said you already believe that it's God who is in control, that it's God who is working. He said, and more than that, the deadly part of this and the thing that's offensive and the thing that's going to hit us some in the face, the, the deadly part of this is he goes, that do everything without complaining and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold on to the word of life. What he's saying is don't complain so that the light of Jesus Christ can shine in your life and you can be blameless and pure in a twisted and messed up world. And the reverse of that is equally as true. So if you do complain and you do argue and you look at the world and you see the negativity and you get distracted and you're complaining about everything that's going wrong, you're complaining about the way the election went and you're complaining about how long the church was shut down and you're complaining about your job and your boss and you're complaining, 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 complaining. What Jesus is trying to teach you right here in this moment, every day that you live your life complaining is a day that you shut out the light of Jesus Christ in you in this dark world that that needs it. So it's difficult for us to come in here and to have a, a, a day of declaration, a day of declaring the praises of the God who brought us from darkness into light when so many of us inside of our hearts and our minds, we've spent the last 12 months doing nothing but talking about everything that's wrong, doing nothing but complaining about a broken system and a broken government. How can you be shocked? Every kingdom of man from the dawn of man to right now until Jesus comes back is going to be broken and corrupt. There is only one kingdom and only one king who is holy, pure, and perfect. That's Jesus Christ and his kingdom, who you are a part of now. And so he says, you let them complain. You don't complain. You declare the praises of the one who brought you from darkness into light. You declare the praises of the one that brought you out of that chaos and out of that mess and brought you into peace and love and joy, a kingdom filled with hope and a future. And I'm like, man, complaining's, complaining's tough. This is a heavy burden. 
to come and preach to the people on a day of celebration. I struggle with it because I'm a coward. And then the Lord said, would you rather have people repent of their complaining and celebrate in a true and genuine way or just have a hype party that means nothing? I said, oh, I want revival. Complaining is this thing, and this has been heavy on my heart. You got to think about the complaining. I heard someone say a long time ago that complaining is spiritual cancer. And it sounds good. But the second that I heard, it didn't sit right with me. The second that I heard it, I disagreed with it. Let me tell you why. Because if you say that complaining is spiritual cancer, then what you're really saying is that complaining, the act of complaining, is the sickness, that it's the disease, that that's the primary problem, that that's the wicked and evil thing. It can be wicked and evil, but that that's the thing. If you could just stop complaining, then all would go away. And the Lord said, no, complaining is evidence of spiritual cancer. Complaining is a symptom to something broken inside, something that's shifted, something that's out of order, something that's not right. He said, complaining, complaining, it's just a verbal expression and a verbal uh, 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 picture and a verbal view of what you really believe about God. It's just, it's just your heart vomiting out what it truly and naturally believes about God. And you may struggle with that, but I, but I, I want to I wanna point something out to you because, because the, the argument will be, the debate will be, the defense will be, because we got the best lawyer you will ever meet in your life lives right in your brain. Because he is convinced you are innocent when you are guilty. He's convinced you are right when you're dead wrong. And he will lay out everything from truth to twisted truth to deceit to lies to justify you in your heart and in your mind. And the beautiful thing about that lawyer inside your head is he can convince you. And as long as you don't open your mouth, you can go on believing the stupidity that he's telling you. So my hope and my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit will take the truth of God and it will shatter that lawyer, knock him slam out so that we can humble ourselves before the living God who died for us and that we can start living like the chosen royal priesthood we really are called to be. But you got to think about complaining. You think, man, I'm complaining about my job, Jordan. What are you talking about? I'm complaining because I, 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 was, I was ready to go for that job. I, I knew that that was what the Lord wanted for me. I believed that that was the right thing. I believed that that was good, and it just didn't work out, and there's, there's something going on, there's something wrong, and this world's falling apart. And, and you, you think you're complaining about a job, but what you're really saying, what you're really complaining about, we don't complain when we don't get a job. What we complain, we complain when God's will happens over our will. That's what we complain about. I just really felt like I, I, I deserved that promotion. I, I've worked long enough. I've worked hard enough. Uh, I, I thought I would be making more money by now. I thought the house would be different. I thought my marriage would be at a better place. I thought, I thought my kids would stop being psychopaths. I thought, you know, I thought, and I, I'm, I'm working and I'm trying and I thought, and it should be now and I just can't figure it out. And you know what? It's the church's fault. You know what? It's the pastor's fault. You know what? Uh, it, it, it's the boss's fault. It's the employer's fault. It's, it's, the, it's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my mother-in-law's fault. Uh, even God, it's, it's everybody's fault. And you're complaining. What you're really complaining though is you're really saying, I'm dissatisfied and upset that God's timing isn't in alignment with my timing. You know, I'm just complaining about the direction of our country, Jordan. Don't you understand that? Can't you see what's going on? Can't you see what's going on? Can't you see that that, that he was supposed to win the election? He was, and they, they stole it from us. 
What you're really saying, what you're really, really, really saying is that God is not strong enough to fulfill his will and purpose. Let me tell you something about God's will. It happens. If it was God's will for one man to be president, he would be president. It wasn't because he's not. I think one of the, the darkest seasons of American Christianity just took place in the last six months. When we took the cross of Jesus Christ and we took the name of Jesus and we lowered it down and attached it to a moralistic, right-wing, conservative movement and we began to worship the ground of human heroes. Do you know when we complain the most? We complain the most when God destroys something that we worship. We complain the most when God takes away something we put our hope in. Let me tell you something. You go through and read the Bible, let me tell you some truth. You want to see something disappear in this world? You want to see a kingdom fall in this world? Start putting your heart, your hope, and your trust in it. Because God is a jealous God. It's his own words. When we start to look at this world, I'm telling you, we complain when God starts saying bad to things we say good. We complain, my relationship fell apart, my boyfriend broke up with me, my girlfriend, I just want, I just want to go. I just, we complain when God says bad to something we say good. We complain when God kills something that we wish would stay alive. When we complain, that was what was so wicked and evil about it in, in, in the desert. Because God just set them free from slavery brought them out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, performed miracle after miracle, wiped out the Egyptian army behind them, provided for them in the desert. And all they could ever see was through the lens of dissatisfaction, through the lens of fear. And they complained 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 and they complained. And they were complaining the day God buried them in the desert. The one thing that I see in scripture about complainers is they miss the move of God. And this is the part that's offensive. God never stops moving. And if you didn't see it, it's because you were looking at the wrong thing. God never stops moving. Every day is a day of victory for King Jesus. And if there's a day you're not walking in that victory, it's because you are not walking with him. Even they get down to the, to the end of this. He says, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in the crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, that means killed. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering and on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This was Paul saying, even if things get so bad and so difficult that they take my very life, I will go down to the grave rejoicing because I know that death is just a doorway to eternity for me and you need to be rejoicing too. He said, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, and this is the reality. This is the thing I want to tell you. When we complain and when we bicker and when we get out and we're reasoning and we're throwing out all we're, every single thing, it's not with people. 
You mad at the church? It's not with me. It's not with this building. It's not with pursuit. It's not with the church you came from. It's not with the president or the other president. It's not with the Republicans or the Democrats. It's not with your husband or your wife. It's not with you. When you're complaining, that is the inside of your heart saying, I do not like what God is doing in my life. Complaining is verbal rebellion against God. It's saying, I am dissatisfied. Complaining at its worst is an outright accusation against the goodness and the greatness of God. It is a dissatisfaction that's coming from fear, coming from unmet expectations and unmet selfish ambition. It's you saying in your heart and in your mind, either you weren't good enough to give me what was best or you weren't powerful enough to give me what is best. I'm going to tell you something. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt because I just watched it. I just watched God move in the greatest ways I've ever seen him move in the hardest year of my lifetime. And if we go through life thinking that difficulty means God's not moving, you will live this life and die and never be a part of what God is doing. God is moving in epic ways. As long as our eyes See, that's the reality of it. As long as our, our eyes are focused and we're distracted and we're looking at the kings and the kingdoms of this earth and we're looking at, at, at the culture and we're looking at the life, as long as our eyes are not on Jesus, then we will never, ever be able to fully operate and become that chosen people, that royal priesthood who was here to declare the praises of him who brought us from darkness into light. I look back last year, I'm telling you something, it is absolutely, it blows my mind the way that God moves and the way that God provided. That, that meeting they're talking about, I just want to tell you about it one more time because it's one of the craziest things. We knew, we knew that we needed to be, there's a lot of money we had to spend and we didn't have it. God always provides for us though, the stuff we're supposed to get in the new building and we're sitting there as our finance team, our, our board of directors, our, our elders, the staff representation, we're all sitting there, we're going through this, and it was a unanimous vote, zero hesitation. In fact, it, normally it comes from me when I'm like, we need to stand up in faith. One of the quieter people in the group said, Derek, why can't we just vote on this right now? Why can't we just declare in faith right now that God is going to move and that God is going to provide? Let's, just, let's not wait on something. Let's just do it right now. Let's commit to spending the money before it shows up. And it was one, two, three, four. I was the last one to raise my hand. Everybody shot up. Bam, 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 bam. I was at one o'clock. We had a meeting at SCS at three o'clock. And I come out of that, uh, that meeting after that. And then Terry calls me. She's crying. She's excited. She's screaming, which isn't abnormal for her. And she said, you're never going to believe what just happened. Somebody just texted us and said they're going to give us 150 grand towards digital discipleship. And I was just sitting there and I was like, man, I'm a man of faith. I live in this. I walk with this. Listen, half our staff is gone today. So if you're getting baptized, you guys can go ahead and get up and go. And I'll meet you around there. I was blown away. I met a man in a Mexican restaurant. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. I, I struggled too. Because there was months when I was preaching to an empty room. And I was just believing that God was doing something on the other side of the camera. And I remember one day I was working out and I, I went to the Mexican restaurant after to pick up some food to go. And when I walked in, there was a man standing there. And he said, hey, are you that pastor? And I, sometimes I don't want to be that pastor. So I was, I don't know if this was good or bad. So I was like, I'm a pastor. And he said, you're Jordan. And I was like, yeah, I am. And he just teared up and he said, this moment I knew, I felt like God, he was wrestling with him. And he said, we, we started watching you. We found you online. We started watching you. My, my wife has just had this moment, crazy moment. They're unchurched. They've gone to church in years and years. Gave her life to Christ. And, and the night before this meet, the night before I met this man, he was at home and he said, if, if this church is so, well, they didn't even know we were here. He goes, if these are so dominant, they're so in our community and they're doing the things that we see them do online. Why have I never met God? Just let me meet somebody. The following day, I walk into the Mexican restaurant and he was like, oh my, there he is. And then we talk and we have this moment. I'll never forget it because I felt like the, I felt like the Lord was wrestling with him. I felt the Lord was wrestling with him and I felt like he had some doubts in his mind. But the Lord of the universe, and it may mean nothing to you. You may sit in here and you're cold hearted and you have no faith in Christ and you're thinking of reasons why it doesn't matter. But the God of the universe took me out of my workout, took me to that Mexican restaurant and put me as a symbol right in front of that man because that man gave his life to Christ a short time after that and we're baptizing him today. There have been another 167 that we know of for sure that declared their faith in Jesus Christ this year. And we baptized 76 people in a year people told us not to meet. You know, people were like, you guys are, you know, you guys are being afraid, shutting down. No, we're following God. We're following God. I'm telling you something. I would rather be in the lion's den with the Holy Spirit than on the throne with the king and no God. I would rather be, I would rather be walking and living my life in the fire with the three Hebrew boys and Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus is in there with me than perfectly safe and perfectly fine living a life of boring nothingness. God is always moving. God never stops moving. God wasn't caught off guard by last year. God proved it time and time and time again. He saved people's lives. He brought about what I believe is turning into a genuine revival. There is not just hundreds, but there is thousands of people who are coming to know Jesus, who are rededicating their life, who are getting serious about their relationship with God as God begins to turn and to work into the world because it is in fact God working in us. It is in fact God working. He is in fact control. There is no one that is stronger and more powerful than God. There is no one. And just because we don't, we were so blinded by the physical seeing things, that never stops being true. God never stops ruling the universe. He never stops moving. He never stops saving souls. He never stops. So when you don't see it, it's because your heart and your mind is focused somewhere else. When you're complaining, you can't declare. That's why we have to have this message. That's why we have to talk about this because my greatest fear is that 2020 was really difficult and 2021 is gonna be even more difficult. And if we still live like baby Christians focused on the seeing things, we're gonna have another year missing the move of God. 
but I can tell you something and I want you to remember I said this, this year will be the greatest, the greatest, the greatest year this church has ever seen. There will be more people that will come to Christ this year than ever before. We will experience a move of God because God never stops moving. I will not take my eyes off the King because I want to see it. I want to be a part of it. If you want to complain and you want to go to another church that sits around and complains, then you do that. Oh, pray for us. Pray for us. For me, in my house, in this house, we are going to declare the praises of the one who set us free and brought us from darkness into light. That's what we're going to do today. Amen. That's what we're going to do. And so we're going to worship here in just a minute. We're going to worship. And we got a bunch of people getting baptized in this service and a bunch more getting baptized in the next service. And there's going to be some time because I've got to literally go around here and change really fast. It's a talent I've developed over the years. But there's going to be a few minutes in between me leaving and us starting to baptize. And in that minute, I want to tell you something. If the Lord is convicting you, you're in this room, you're at home, you're in a house church, if the Lord is bringing some conviction to you about where your eyes were last year and about what came out of your mouth last year and about what you put your hope in last year, take a minute and repent. Take a minute and repent. God is waiting to forgive you. He's waiting to pour peace into your life. He's waiting to pour joy into your life. You wanna really celebrate? Repent for complaining. And then you can become in a moment because everything that needed to be done was done on the cross. In a moment, if you repent, God will open up your eyes and open up your heart and you will see the King for who He is and all that He's done over the last 12 months. And then together as a body, we can be that light shining like stars in the universe together. And we can celebrate together. And it won't be like when I was in the Braves game. It'll be because you see it and you know it and you believe it and it'll be real. Don't miss this opportunity.